Welcome to American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. Welcome back, everybody. Okay, let's get into it here. I'll tell you what. First of all, I just want to say thank you to everybody who's listening. There's a great deal of information, of course, that I'm I'm doing my absolute best here to share on this show, and I just wanted to thank everybody for listening and, and sharing the episodes wherever you can. It's greatly appreciated, and again, I, I hope that you're learning something throughout this entire process. It's one of the things, of course, that I've noticed, and you've probably noticed it too, is that these episodes have gotten longer. And for me, you know, that's just a measuring stick that uh, there's more going on, and there's certainly more to bring up episode per episode. But again, even when just a few days passes, there's so much information to bring up. So I'm going to dive right in here. I, I've got a few cultural things that I want to bring up first. I have some uh, some interesting education news as well, and then a ton of jab-related things, including a document that I want to read. I've got, of course, some peer-reviewed stuff that I want to revisit here, and some of it's, uh, well, it's not necessarily new, but it's worth revisiting. But there is this one document that's titled Legal Walls of the COVID-19 Kill Box, which is rather interesting, and it's certainly a globalist strategy to basically put all of us in these particular categories and then have particular things happen to us, and then uh, the enemy responds in kind, and we do also, and back and forth. Either way, it's a lengthy document, but it's certainly worth reading, and and I'm going to do that. There's also a website at the end that I want to hit on, and I'm going to link it in the description below, but the website is titled greatawakeningreport.com. A lot of of interesting information there, and there's a particular graphic on there that's called the Healing Web. And so it's basically just this giant Venn diagram. Uh, On the left-hand side of of the diagram, you have the pharmaceutical industry, and on the right-hand side, you have the holistic industry. And basically everything that they've been hiding from us is in this diagram. And again, you can download the image on a computer, of course, and zoom in on it and uh, look into it as, as much as you'd like. It's, it's one hell of, a, of an image, to say the least, but certainly worth keeping and, and archiving offline, I think. Okay, a couple of things here. First of all, the Pfizer video was hilarious. Of course, the second one was, was the funniest of them all. What's interesting about that video too, culturally speaking, which uh, again, I'm not the only one that shares this particular opinion, but it really does show that when you back an immoral person into a corner, they have a very hard time breaking out. And one of the things, of course, that they do is they almost switch into this default setting where they just start screaming and yelling and blaming everybody around them, except, of course, you know, instead of blaming themselves. So this gay black man, of course, was screaming and yelling and shouting, and all of those noises he was making were very funny. And uh, I was certainly laughing. But again, you know, almost immediately he starts blaming race and skin color and this, that, and the other. And it, it was just really pathetic. Uh, you know, you're, you're kidnapping me, you're hurting me. And then all of a sudden, again, he's a victim. I think that just culturally, this speaks to a much larger problem, which is, again, that that is the default setting among the most immoral, is they, heavy re- uh, they heavily rely, rather, on feelings instead of facts. 
And they're not interested in bringing up facts, of course, and they certainly aren't interested in any kind of a dialogue. I mean, this person got caught red-handed with their hands in the cookie jar also, crumbs everywhere, and then they flipped out. Uh, you know, I, I don't think we should expect any different of a reaction from someone who is a degenerate, who openly, again, admits to lying, in particular on a date with a man, and then, again, you know, blames skin color and, you know, starts counting all the white people in the room. And I mean, they were delusional. And the reason that they were that way, of course, was because, again, they got caught and because they are delusional. So this person, of course, is a medical doctor. That should concern a great deal of people. And it's not too far-fetched, of course, of a behavior that we've all witnessed because this is just what we've seen among medical professionals. You know, with, with the African-American and, and gay part aside for a minute, it's just something that we've noticed with medical professionals that when you approach them with the facts, they have a very hard time dealing with it. And then they become overly emotional or upset because you're denying what it is that they're saying. I couldn't help but think, think back to, uh, you know, my old family doctor who, again, in, in 2021, first thing he did was walk into the room when I was there just to pick up some, uh, you know, pick up a prescription for poison ivy for uh, prednisone. And he... <laughs> I mean, he walked into the room and he wasn't wearing a mask. And then he asked me how I was doing. I said, I'm great. I just, you know, need, a, need you to write a prescription here for prednisone for this poison ivy. And then he puts on his mask. And then he sits down and then he asked me if I've had the shots. And I said, no. I said, they're, they're killing people and they're hurting people. And he turned and he looked at me. He's never been short with me you know, this particular guy. And, and he's an immoral piece of trash anyway, for a variety of other reasons. I mean, he was caught up in sex scandals and a bunch of other things. He's a terrible person. But uh, he started to become agitated and short. And when, when I told him that people were dying of the shots, of course, he turned and he looked at me and, and his entire demeanor changed. Even with a mask on his face, I could tell that his entire demeanor changed. No one's died from this, Sean. No one's died from this. I mean, we're just now starting to see some myocarditis among, you know, 15-year-olds, but that's so rare. I mean, if I had the shot here and you wanted it, I'd give it to you, but I'm all out of shots, he said. And then again, he got more agitated a little bit, and he said, well, do you know what it is? And I said, yes. I said, do you? And he says, yes. And then he explains the uh, Saturday morning cartoon version of what messenger RNA does, that same old line that every propagandist has been told and every single line that a propagandist has peddled this entire time. And he regurgitated the entire thing line by line. And I looked at him and I said, well, there's more to it than that. And I'm not interested in ever getting that shot ever. And then he stopped looking at me and he turned and he looked at his screen. He said, well, I respect your decision to not get vaccinated. And that was the end of it. I, of course, haven't seen him since. I'll never go back. He's a, you know, he's a piece of trash. But it's that kind of behavior, again, when you catch these people uh, in their wrongdoing or in their degeneracy, regardless of what it is, they immediately become emotional because that's all they're running on. They're not running on facts. They're just running on emotion. So I thought that culturally, again, what was in that second uh, Veritas video, again, where he's flopping around on the ground, 
that was um it was interesting because it it just shined a, a brighter light on what's going on culturally in particular with the left and those who are in complete and utter denial that you know emotions all they have and when you catch them it runs super high and super hot and they have nothing else so there you go um let's see Damar Hamlin so Damar Hamlin is alive and he put out two particular videos that are making the rounds one well it's the same video but one of them is a bit longer and it's on ESPN's website and then the other one is on YouTube of just him talking no other montages of any other pictures it is him it's not a deep fake it's him so i'll start by saying this Stu Peters, of course, is interested in interviewing DeMar Hamlin and got real loud about wanting to interview him and said, you know, there's a really choppy video and it's edited and, you know, that doesn't make any sense and whatever else. Well, first of all, I can answer that very quickly. The chopped up videos and edited and spliced videos that you see, in particular when Donald Trump gives, you know, basically makes an announcement that he wants to make, which I'm going to play one later. That's education related of comments that Trump made uh, regarding our education system. And I'm going to break that down a little bit. But the reason that that's done is rather obvious. They have a script. They're reading something. There are points that, that they've been told to say. And they can't do it all in one fluid take. So you have to you have to just take what they say, and then when they mess up, you stop at that particular point, and then you say, okay, you just said this, now what do you want to say next? And then you, you hit record, and then they just say what they want to say next right after they get done saying what they just said. It's not unusual. Again, this is what happens when people have a script, and they have things that they want to say, and they're not very good with their words, and they have to chop things up. So there's nothing suspicious about the video. It's legit. So let's do this instead, because again, Stu Peters is interested in not arriving at a sound conclusion, which is what the scientific method almost requires. We've worked every hypothesis we possibly can. Now let's work it backwards. Let's use the scientific method regarding Damar Hamlin and work it backwards. And, and go back through all of the theories, of course, and the questioning that took place, and I was doing it as well, and rightfully so, because again, that's the scientific method. So let's work it backwards. Here we go. And before I do work this backwards, let me at the very least say this, that I would rather, as I hope anybody would, I would rather be wrong, as I've said before, a thousand times and question everything from the start than, not question, than basically be wrong a thousand times and question nothing from the start. So we always need to question things from the very beginning and then again arrive at logical conclusions and hypothesize and hypothesize and run our run our our minds right through the scientific method system again but then we have to arrive at a conclusion so here it goes let me work it backwards like i said demar hamlin is alive he's not on oxygen he's not walking around with oxygen so Working it backwards, he's in the hospital. They're not saying a whole lot because theoretically they don't have to say a whole lot. Yes, there's a lot of scripts that I'm sure were written and, and people were told to say particular things. And we know for a fact 
that they were told to keep the jab out of the conversation because no one was talking about the jabs related to this except for those of us who know what's going on. So the one conclusion that we can arrive at, I should say, is that it was jab-related for certain. To our knowledge, there, are, there were apparently approximately three players on the Bills team that are not jabbed. Cole Beasley, the quarterback, and maybe somebody else. Could be more that are not jabbed, but we can assume that DeMar Hamlin was jabbed because he was not hit in the chest and then lost consciousness and whatever else. That was not a hard hit. He dove to the side. He tackled the person. Not a big deal. The person was already falling down when DeMar Hamlin wrapped his arms around him and then whatever else. Then, of course, he got up and took a couple of steps and then fell backwards. The narrative was that he was unconscious without a heartbeat for nine minutes. Based on what we know now of seeing him walk around and not be brain damaged and not be oxygen, it's plausible that that was not the case. They may have been doing chest compressions on him, but they probably got a pulse back. So his heart was beating maybe right then and there on the field. That's number one, I think. Number two, why would they not have a defibrillator on the sideline of a football game? They would. Which means, did they use a defibrillator on the field as he was lying there uh, in order to revive him? Possibly. Yeah, they would, they would have had to have done that. Um, again, they weren't showing us anything. You know, they didn't show us cutting his jersey off or or cutting his his uh you know his his shoulder pads off or taking his helmet off i mean we saw none of that so the crowd that was around him of medical doctors and the security that were standing around him they they would have had to have done all of that in order i believe to get a defibrillator on him which was probably the case again that would that would directly imply uh, the reasoning as to why he wasn't brain damaged and why he's not dead. So there's that avenue. Um, beyond that, again, I would simply say this, that I'm glad he's alive. I, I don't wish for people to die. What was suspicious about the entire thing and continues to be, of course, is the NFL's handling of the whole thing. I mean... There's no doubt that they wrung the thing dry as much as they could, and by thing, I mean the whole situation, in order to raise more and more money. Because again, he's, his playing days are over. So he's been paid his contract. He now has seven plus million dollars, at least in the bank, from the GoFundMe stuff. And, uh, you know, that's not necessarily unusual for a lot of people who are ill or a lot of people who are in the limelight and get ill and then ask for donations, whether it be, again, for a charity or youth group or whatever it is. And, you know, none of that's really unusual. What was unusual, of course, is and continues to be, is the NFL's handling of the entire situation and their inability to arrive at the logical conclusion that it was jab-related, because it was jab-related. Again, as I'm sitting here talking to you, people are dying from the jabs. That's still happening. There are still youth who are dying. There are still people, uh, you know, school employees who are passing away. Pick a profession. It does not matter. College. I just read another thing again. A college coach or a college assistant coach just passed away at the age of like 53 or 54, somewhere in there. Um, whatever it was, ex uh, Arizona, somewhere in Arizona. Again, same thing. It's, it's happening constantly. 
It was just the NFL's handling of all of it was emblematic of how the NFL handles it, which is it's beyond obvious it happened. Here's what happened. We know why it happened. Oh, look, the NFL's not saying why it happened. I mean, that's that's what they do. They're a criminal organization. They have made people disappear. They have made uh, all kinds of things take place that you know, are, are remarkably illegal for the purpose of covering things up. Now, that brings me to a piece of audio that I want to play from Chris Sky here that has to do with the Travis Scott concert where a bunch of people fell over, some people died, some people died long after the fact, and then this DeMar Hamlin thing and how it sort of all mixes together. Because apparently, according to him, via uh, individuals that he's talked with who have had family members pass away, from these jabs in particular when it happens and it's and it's reported in the media is they have these witness protection programs so to speak for those who are relatives of the jab injured or the jab dead and they basically pay them off in order to not say anything they have them sign non-disclosure agreements and then they maybe even relocate them again according to this particular situation so i want to play this audio of chris sky again activist in Canada. He probably wouldn't like the word activist, but he's a patriot and he's been telling a great deal of truth for a very long time. And uh, yeah, so here's him talking about the connections between all of that and the communication that he has had from individuals that he knows regarding all of this. So give this a listen. Hey everybody, update on the Travis Scott concert situation in Texas. So for those of you who don't know, originally when this all happened, uh, a bunch of kids either collapsed or died suddenly, and we're talking kids age like 12 to young adult age of like 18 to 20. Uh, when that all happened, I got a call from someone who was a direct relative of an 18-year-old girl who was one of the girl people who collapsed but did not die. Uh, she spent the next, I think it was about four to six weeks in and out of hospital, put, being put on medication or being run on tests until she died of organ failure. After that, I never heard back from the family member or anybody else in the family until two days after the Monday night football incident where he dropped suddenly on the field and they canceled the game. All of a sudden, I got a call from Texas from a different number, and it was the same relative, and he told me he had a really hard time getting a hold of me, but he had a lot to tell me. Uh, he said that after his uh, family member passed away the 18 year old female moderna because she was given the moderna vaccine basically came and paid the family a whole bunch of money to keep quiet and also relocated them to a different part of texas gave them new phones new numbers new addresses new identities almost like a witness protection program and they were told they had basically two options. Either they were going to get destroyed in the media and destroyed uh, in other ways if they spoke up about this, or they could take the deal, take the money, take the new identities, and basically just help them cover this up, help them sweep it under the rug. Well, that didn't sit well with this guy, so he came and told me about it, and I told you guys about it. Since then, people have been questioning the veracity of this. And then I got contacted by a female researcher. I don't know if she wants me to say her name. But she gave me cooperating government and military documents that prove in writing that what I described 
is the standard operating procedure for military, especially when military and government know they are killing civilians. They know it is against the law and they have multiple remedies to deal with this. And the most common is what we described, a payoff, a relocation, a new identity, and sweeping everything under the rug. This is a huge story because this is not even just the tip of the iceberg. This is like a little speck. There's thousands and thousands and thousands of cases like this just in the United States. And if you go around the world, you're talking about millions of people whose lives were affected or even ended by these injections. And every single government official knows, every pharmaceutical official knows. And if you think it's an accident, that Fauci just retired at the end of 2022 after decades and decades on there just because he's at a certain age and whatever. They do. No, he got out of there because he knows we're about to move into phase three, holding these people accountable. And they can only plug so many leaks in the dam before the cracks overwhelm, explode, and all this information comes flooding out. And I'm going to keep chipping away at that dam, and there's nothing they can do about it. This is exactly what's going on, and I'm going to even include the documents that were sent to me so I would love to see the government deny this, and I'd love to see them try to discredit this. This is what's happening. This is how Moderna, Pfizer, if you recall, Pfizer paid out billions, billions in a fine for misleading and false advertising, which ultimately caused the death of all kinds of people. So if you think this is beneath them, or you think this is beneath the government, or you think this is beneath the military, well, wake up, ladies and gentlemen. This is the reality of the situation. And it's only gonna get a lot worse from here as they try to pass laws to make videos like this illegal for me to even tell you what's going on. Now, the document that he's referencing it may not be the same one as the one that I read here, but you may recall that I read certainly portions of a rather lengthy document from the World Health Organization where it was essentially a playbook. It was a PR management, crisis management playbook that they were going to implement within endless corporations, endless businesses, right down to the local level for even politicians at the local level to follow when it comes to, again, quote-unquote anti-vaxxers or people who question what's going on or this, that, or the other. It, again, is a giant uh, PR nightmare playbook in order to cover things up, essentially. Within that playbook, and even some of the portions that I read, it clearly said that individuals can decide what they want to do that they encourage to, you know, that they encourage people rather and these corporations to keep people quiet any way that they see fit. Uh, you know, give them a microphone if they want, but only give them a certain amount of things to say and so on and so forth. The point is, is that such a playbook is created and implemented for a very specific reason. And we know what that is, of course. It's to cover up criminal behavior and then rewrite the history surrounding it. That's that's basically it. That's all they want to do. Um, I have no doubt, again, that it was certainly a variation of that World Health Organization document that Chris Skye's probably referring to. But either way, it's documents like that that the NFL is using and utilizing to the best of their ability. It's exactly what universities are doing right now. It's exactly what K-12 school districts are doing right now. They're doing whatever they can 
to distract people from the singular issue that's impacting every facet of society right now as we know it, which of course is the shots. That's the, again, you've heard me say, it's just the, it's the singular thread that runs through every single avenue of thought here and activity that's taking place. So again, for the NFL to not come out and say anything shot-related, or that it is shot-related, I mean, we can't expect them to do that because they're not going to do that. They're not going to come out and say, well, he had two shots of this, and uh, we know that there are some side effects and whatever else, and, you know, the end. They would have, they would have a nightmare on their hands the size of which they, they could not handle. They couldn't handle Again, the NFL specifically forced the jabs on all their office workers. They forced it on their players, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And then the ones who were unjabbed, of course, are the ones walking around either wondering what the hell is going on, panicking, or they've already engaged in enough cognitive dissonance to just distance itself as far out of their mind as humanly possible because they don't want to think about it. So there's a playbook. That's the whole point. Don't be shocked that we're not hearing particular things. Don't be shocked if people don't want to give interviews. Don't be shocked if people don't want to make public comments. They're not going to. It's going to be the very rare individual that steps forward. And you've heard me say again, it's going to have to be like parents in school board meetings, for example, that are showing up with their jab injured or you know talking about their jab dead child, um, or relatives of a of a former worker who you know or employee who used to work there who is jab injured or jab dead as a result, and then tearing in to those public officials. Again, we've seen it at school board meetings. We've seen it at city council meetings. We've seen it at lots of different kinds of meetings. But as time goes on, that's going to turn into a platform that's going to explode, I think, even more. And uh, it's going to push those particular organizations and political officials, I, I should say, to rely on that WHO document or things like it, versions like it. So again, we can expect state departments of education to create a, a document of their own that would look something like that World Health Organization document. If people are coming to your board meeting and complaining about the shots, well, here's what you need to do. And it'll just be a step-by-step -step process. And that will include, I might add, eliminating the public comments section or even even having those particular meetings in a closed session or in some kind of an executive session away from the public. And then they'll simply put out a press release as to what they discussed. And they'll leave it off of any discussion notes that, that they have. Because again, they're going to want to ignore this as much as humanly possible. Uh, I don't think they're going to be able to ultimately in the end. It's only a matter of time before everybody wakes up to this. You know, the NFL can hide this all they want, but eventually this is going to come back and bite them, without a doubt. So there you go. A lot of information there, I know, a lot of different opinions, a lot of different takes, but it's just, uh, it's just a reminder that there is a strategy here, and they have a playbook that they're following from a PR standpoint, and they're going to keep doing it. And so are all of these other organizations, because they have to, because they're immoral. You know, telling the truth is the easier thing to do, but they're not interested in doing that because, again, when was the last time you heard a school district admit fault to anything? When was the last time you heard a medical industry admit fault to anything? 
or a major university or an organization or whatever it is. I mean, more people who work for Southwest Airlines, for example, are dead now than any year previously. I mean, their employees are falling over dead. Why is that? It's not climate change. We know what it is. But they're not going to, you know, they're not going to come out and say it because they have a company to maintain, but it's only so long before the company crashes and crumbles. So there you go. All right. That leads me to this now, education stuff. And there's a few things here, without a doubt. I want to play this four-minute clip of Trump talking about how he plans to restore morals and values into education and objectivity. It's a nice video, and you're going to hear him talk, and I may or may not bounce in and out of it. Um, but just give it a quick listen here. Again, it's about four minutes long. And then I'm going to come in and, and certainly describe a few things because as you've heard me say, and as I just said earlier, there is a thread that runs through this whole thing that's going to make what he's proposing pretty much non-existent. You've heard me say on this show that I do not believe that there is going to be brick and mortar public education in the future. Again, the jabs are the thread that run through the whole thing which means these organizations, when they start to crumble, and they already are crumbling, are going to have to find another outlet, another solution to their problem. Uh, you know, this was, this was interesting because I played audio a long time ago. This just hit me, so I, I want to mention this very quickly. This should prove to people, too, that the jabs tricked even the left in this country. You know, the left had, in the field of education, they had a purposeful playbook that if a pandemic, quote-unquote, I'm using finger quotes, pandemic occurred and home learning occurred, that when the, when the students and teachers returned to school, it would give the Marxists their green light to implement whatever it is that they wanted to implement from a curriculum standpoint with all of their degeneracy, this, that, and the other. And they did that on purpose because that was those were their orders as an organization. You know, the uh, National Education Association and all the teachers' unions and all the other education associations and whatever. It was basically just foot on the pedal of gay. You know, we're going to go super gay on everything all the time now. And, there's, and, is, and if we all do it at the same time, no one's going to be able to stop us. The thing that's going to stop everybody are the shots. That's the thing that they did not consider in there. We're going fifth gear, pedal to the floor, full gay on all of our curriculum. And muddying the waters on common sense and creating mass confusion and drag queens and whatever else. It's, it's the jabs that are going to ruin it all for them. So even the, left, even the left, politically speaking, got tricked on this whole thing. So with that said, here's Donald Trump's approach as to what he wants to do. Again, it sounds nice, and it, and it really does sound nice, but there's no mention of the jabs because there wouldn't be. Our public schools have been taken over by the radical left maniacs. Here is my plan to save American education, restore power to American parents. First, we will cut federal funding for any school or program pushing critical race theory, gender ideology, or other inappropriate racial, sexual, or political content onto our children. 
We're not going to allow it to happen. Next, I will direct the Department of Justice and Education to open civil rights investigations into any school district that has engaged in race-based discrimination. That includes discrimination against Asian Americans. The Marxism being preached in our schools is also totally hostile to Judeo-Christian teachings, and in many ways, it's resembling an established new religion. Can't let that happen. For this reason, my administration will aggressively pursue potential violations of the Establishment Clause and the Free Exercise Clause of the Constitution. That's very simple. Additionally, on day one, we will begin to find and remove the radical zealots and Marxists who have infiltrated the Federal Department of Education. And that also includes others, and you know who you are, because we're not going to allow anybody to hurt our children. Joe Biden has given these lunatics unchecked power. I will have them fired and escorted from the building. And I will tell Congress that any appropriations bill I sign must reaffirm the president's ability to remove defiant employees from the job. It's all about our children. I will veto the sinister effort to weaponize civics education. We will keep men out of women's sports, and we will create a new credentialing body that will be the gold standard anywhere in the world to certify teachers who embrace patriotic values, support our way of life, and understand that their job is not to indoctrinate children, but very simply to educate them. Finally, I will implement massive funding preferences and favorable treatment for all states and school districts that make the following historic reforms in education. One, abolish teacher tenure for grades K through 12 so we can remove bad teachers and adopt merit pay to reward good teachers. We want great teachers in our schools. Two, drastically cut the bloated number of school administrators, including the costly, divisive, and unnecessary diversity, equity, and inclusion bureaucracy. Three, adopt a parental bill of rights that includes complete curriculum transparency and a form of universal school choice. And four, implement the direct election of school principals by the parents. It's all about the parents or their children. More than anyone else, parents know what their children need. If any principal is not getting the job done, the parents should be able to vote to fire them and select someone who will. This will be the ultimate form of local control. Our country has, frankly, never had anything like it, or let's say for at least the last 50 years. As the saying goes, personnel is policy. And at the end of the day, if we have pink-haired communists teaching our kids, we have a major problem. When I'm president, we will put parents back in charge and give them the final say. We will get back to teaching reading, writing, and math, called arithmetic. And we will give our kids the high-quality pro-American education they deserve. We spend more per pupil than any nation in the world by double. We're going to keep spending the money, but we're now going to get our money's worth. We're at the end of every list on education, yet we spend the most. We're going to change it around. We may spend the most, but we're going to be tops in education.
no matter where you go, anywhere in the world. Thank you very much. Again, I like this. It sounds nice. But let's, let's open this up a little bit and examine it slightly. Using big government to solve big government is always a problem. This should prove to everybody that government has gotten so big that they have to use government to fight government now. He also, of course, mentioned the Federal Department of Education and getting rid of the communists and then controlling how the money is spent from the federal level all the way down to the local level and penalizing people you know, with the CRT and, and all of that. This is, this is why the size of government is so problematic and why even now, based on his comments, that getting rid of the Federal Department of Education is next to impossible because now it's been weaponized. It's been weaponized on the left, and now, of course, you just heard his response. It's been weaponized on the right in order to fight the left. And then, of course, what's going to happen in the future? If, if, if things change hands, which, I, again, unless more elections are stolen and more illegal people are put into office and that's allowed to, that's allowed to take place in the future, like it already is taking place now, of course, it's just going to be weaponized further in the other direction again. It's just going to be a tennis match back and forth every four years or every whatever, every eight years, whatever it may be. And and it's not going to have a logical conclusion. It's just going to be constant fighting and constant battles over money and ideologies and so on and so forth. So again, the jabs are the thread that run throughout the entire thing that are that are never mentioned because he can't mention it. The other thing too, of course, is he said, and it's very revealing, I think, that parents know best of of what their child needs to learn and parents know best he said he's right about that he's right about that and of course over the last couple of years what have we seen we've seen a massive battle between educators and parents parents looking at educators and saying what the hell are you doing to my child and then the parent has one of two responses after they get done saying that they either foolishly send them back to school to the same environment that they were just criticizing, or they homeschool them. They just homeschool them. And that's, of course, the, the logical solution. Or, of course, I guess there's a middle road, which is they find a different school for their children to go to, and a better school for them to go to, again, whether that be a private school or some other place, which, again, is that's fine. I'm not, uh, I'm not criticizing that entirely, but those schools are so few and far between that it's only a matter of time before, again, those radical ideologies find their way into, into those environments too, I think. But I, you know, I, I could be wrong on that. Um, in any case, I just don't see a removal of the Federal Department of Education at this point because, again, government has gotten too big. It's just become too large. The other thing too, of course, and this would have to be a state law if not a federal law, is that school principals at the K-12 level would be elected, like he just said. And again, if, if parents know best on how to teach their children and, and what their children need, then that's the green light for homeschooling. So you wouldn't have to engage in all of this, well, we need to elect a principal thing. Again, you know, more elections, you know, <laughs> I mean, it's... It's ridiculous. I mean, how, how do you plan on doing that? 
how do you plan on having another election that involves a school principal or school principals? Now school principals would have to be politicians. Many of them already are, or at the very least think that they already are. I just see this as getting worse with time. I don't see those as necessarily viable solutions in the future. I see it as creating bigger problems down the line. So again, I, I like I like when he says we got to get you know the pink-haired communists out of the classroom. I agree with that wholeheartedly. Um, you know, again, if an individual wants to hire that kind of a person, they're going to hire that kind of a person. Uh, you're talking about a level of government overreach that's dangerous, regardless of what side politically you sit on. So, my whole thing is this. If it's weaponized against the left, with big government being the giant hand that reaches into you know into the entire situation, that's 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 going to be reversed. That that will be reversed in the future if the other side wins something, whether again that be a fraudulent election or something, and then they come back and they do the exact same thing. Um, well, you know, one more thing regarding the Federal Department of Education. If it were to be eliminated, there would be another fight that would have to take place, but I think in the end it would be a worthy fight because it would be one that would last a little bit longer, but uh, it, it may be worth it in the long run rather than maintaining the current status quo, which again is big government reaching its hand into everything. If you eliminated the Federal Department of Education, unfortunately, the ideology would dig itself into the underground, metaphorically speaking, and that it would find its way even more into these national education associations and these state-level education associations, because basically you would have a massive transfer of power and influence. And all of that power and influence from the Federal Department of Education would work its way right into those local organizations and weaponize them. And yes, they would be radical, and they would be out of touch, and they would be all of the bad things that we know exist in the field of education. But if there were if there were individuals or groups rather that attacked them, again, you're still talking about a really long fight, and I and I can't help but think how useless that might be in the in the short and long term when you could just leave the entire system. And let it collapse because of an absence of people who are actually attending. And then, of course, you throw the jab into the entire situation and it's game over. It's just game over. So it sounds nice. It's a nice political speech running for office. He's still the legal president of the United States. I like how he's given these talks and all, except there's holes in it. And, um, and this is, you know, this is another reason why I even Walter admitted this the other day, which was kind of funny. I daydream a lot and talk to myself like a crazy person, but, uh, you know, that's how I solve problems. I'm sure I'm not the only one that does that. But anyway, I was, uh, I was thinking about and daydreaming about what would happen if I was invited to participate in some education committee, either at the state level or even at the federal level, because again, for some unknown reason, um, it's certainly not because of qualifications, 
but Chris Rufo has found himself associated with some Florida government education committee put together by Ron DeSantis. Again, the only thing that Chris Rufo's done regarding education is have a Twitter account and post things on his Twitter account about critical race theory and whatever else. He's never been an educator, doesn't have degrees in it, doesn't understand how deep the rabbit hole goes, a variety of other things. You've heard me say I'm not a huge fan of his. Um, you know, he's, I don't know. I could go on and on, I guess. But the point is, is that I, I was... I was daydreaming about what it would be like if I was to be invited and what I would do and what I would say. If I was invited to attend some meeting with education minds, we'll say, sitting around a table, I'm pretty certain I know exactly what I would hear, and I'm pretty certain that I know exactly what I would not hear. And what, I'm, what I can promise anybody listening to this is that there's no way in hell that I'd sit at that table and let them get away with it. I would tell them straight up the truth about everything. I would let everybody talk first. You know, they'd probably go around the circle, introduce yourself, because I've seen these meetings before, but everybody introduces themselves and then everybody moves along. And then you basically go around the table and everybody throws out what they think are the biggest issues facing education. By the time it got to me, I'd be bringing up things like false flags, believing lies, Uvalde didn't happen, neither did Sandy Hook. I would run down the flipping list from top to bottom. And then I would look at everybody and I'd say, I don't want to participate in this committee because all this committee is going to do is just play the same old games that you've always played in the past. You're going to change a few things and then you're going to use the committee as a line on your resume that I was here and I did this, and then on to the next thing you go. But they're never going to get down to the root problem, which is lying. It's propaganda. It's the curriculum that's taught and how all of it's a lie. We teach children that you can go to space in a spaceship and land on the moon. That's bullshit. All of that is a demonic, satanic lie. And the lies are endless. They're lied about the very ground that they walk on. But you see where their discussion is. Their discussion is not of critical importance and topics of that nature. It's about, well, let's talk about getting rid of pink-haired communists. That's good and dandy, and that matters. But what matters more, of course, is teaching the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, and making sure that a person doesn't lose their job if they teach the truth and they know the truth. And heaven forbid someone work in a school building as a school teacher and know more than the other people who work in that school building. But I can tell you from personal experience, it's very difficult to work in a school environment when you know that you know more than the people who work there. It's very tough because almost everybody thinks the same by and large in a school environment because that's how it's designed. So I would never participate in one of those committees for any longer than the very speech that I would give to educate the people sitting at the committee. And then I'd stand up and I'd leave. I'd say, good luck with your committee that won't accomplish the real problems. You're talking about service level nonsense, and I'm talking about pulling out the root. And the only thing that does that, ladies and gentlemen, is homeschooling. The only thing that gives a child a chance 
to break free from the matrix is homeschooling. And I'm going to bring up two quick examples here. I got on a, uh, a Becca.com's YouTube page. They have two awesome recent videos that they use, of course, as sort of their, um, you know, their public relations commercials, so to speak. They're longer than a commercial, of course, but they're very well done. And they're true stories of, of these individuals that are using the Abeka system. And, uh, and it's not the only system they use, but they, they rely heavily on, on Abeka. One family is a family of four, or a family of five, rather, married couple and then three kids, and they live in Alaska. And they op- I'm going to summarize it as quickly as I can, but they basically say, we use Abeka because the father used Abeka. He says, I was homeschooled, and, and, I, and I enjoyed it. I'm married, we have children, and, and we use it, and that's because we like doing other things with our time. We like to travel, we like to go outside, we, we like to do these things rather than having our children uh, you know, sitting in a room for eight hours a day and having their brains just melted into mush. You know, We don't want to do that, and we don't want to raise our children that way. And then, of course, there's the biblical aspect and the Christianity aspect that's brought into the Abeka system, where they have the freedom to, of course, do all of that as well. So that's the one scenario, and it sounds so pleasant. I mean, you cannot, you can't watch a commercial like that and then go backwards to what Donald Trump was talking about, which of course are all the problems in education, minus the the fraudulent curriculum that exists, and say to yourself, which one of those two do I want to pick? Wow, this is a hard decision. I don't know which one to choose. Peaceful homeschooling, where you get to you you have the freedom to explore, and talk to God, and actually listen you know li- listen to your own mind, uh, or you know be be just another uh, mask wearing goon standing on a meat grinder like in the Wall movie from Pink Floyd. I mean, which is it going to be? And yes, there's probably a middle road, but the middle road is is dangerous because ultimately you're going to have to pick a side. I mean, you have to pick a side in war. So that was one example that's that exists recently on Abeka. Another one, it's exquisite. It's a woman who is home with her three children. Uh, all of them use Abeka, and the husband is overseas, I believe, in Korea for the military. And works works for the United States military and, and is gone a lot. She brings up a very interesting point in that particular promo. She ends up saying, "When my husband comes home, we want to spend time with my husband, and we want to spend my children want to spend time with their father. If they were in a traditional school, the way that we know them to be, eight hours a day, five days a week." They wouldn't have that time with their with their father. They would have to go to school, and we couldn't pull them out of school because they would get suspended or arrested for truancy or this, that, or the other. So we like the freedom of being able to pick it up and put it down, pick up a Becca, use it, and then put it down when we need to put it down, and then we have the freedom to go out and do other things also. Again, if you use that as the, as an example on one end of the spectrum. And you use what Donald Trump, again, was talking about on the other end. One of them is a nightmare, and the other one is not. One of them is a political mess, and the other one is not. And these were young children. I mean, they were young. They were like elementary school age. 
And again, in the Abeka system, you have teachers teaching you over a screen. You're listening to them. You're following along in a book. And as the mother says, if you don't want to use that particular method, there's a, there's a home teacher method where the parent has their own manual and things that they can do with the child if they, if they choose to do so. The point is, is that there are so many other healthier options than this massive political fight to maintain a corrupt system that lies to people. That system has to be done away with. And the jab is the equalizer. The jab is the equalizer that in the next five years plus is going to wipe it out. It's already happening. Again, endless examples, but it's already happening. So again, I recommend going over to Abeka's channel on YouTube and watching those videos. They're so nice. <laughs> I mean, they're just so nice to watch. You just take a big, deep breath and go, ah, oh, isn't that pleasant? Because that's how it's supposed to be. It's just supposed to be that way. So, this episode's going to be long, ladies and gentlemen. My apologies. I got to get to this, too, because this was weird. Uh, Sandy from Michigan tossed this my way initially and asked me what I thought about this because this has been making the rounds. This was on Gateway Pundit, and it is titled, Assistant Principal Solicited Donations from Teachers and Staff to Pay Off Coyote for a Legal Alien Student in Rhode Island High School. Cicely also threw this my way, too, later on in the day after I had taken a look at it, and uh, I have a, I have a, you know, there's a couple of explanations for this. Um, I'll read this first, though. It says, an assistant principal at Mount Pleasant High School in Providence, Rhode Island, sent an email to teachers and staff this week soliciting donations to pay off the debt to a coyote owned by an illegal alien student at the school. The email by Dr. Stephanie Harvey, EDD, asked for $2,000 by February 1st to help pay off a $5,000 debt to the smuggler. On Friday, school principal Tiffany Delaney shut down the fundraiser as not appropriate and said donations would be refunded. Um, initially, when I read the letter, which, by the way, yeah, it, it says, we have a student who came to America. This was the email that the Stephanie Harvey the assistant principal of the of the high school put out. But they said in their letter that, or in their email, quote, we have a student who came to America with Coyote, quote unquote, which is a group that helps people. This group gives you a time frame to make a payment of $5,000 to those who bring them into the States. It says our student needs our urgent support to raise another 2000 to meet his goal of 5000 by February 1st. First of all, the answer is yes, these people are that stupid. They are. If they're working in these environments and, and they do something like this and they actually believe it and don't know what it really is, they're, they're dumb in that avenue. But if they do know what it really is, they're, they're even dumber because they're doing something that's clearly illegal. Now, here's the thing. Having illegal students, as you've heard me say, in American schools is not a crime. The unfortunately, the uh, Supreme Court ruled that that's the case, that schools have to take in illegal students and illegal children. Um, 
This is a massive problem, of course, and just another reason to leave the system altogether is they're going to fill up with illegals and continue uh, to fill up with illegals as time goes on. But the crime that's being committed here is they're openly raising money for an illegal organization that is trafficking children. So you're raising money for child traffickers. That's, that's the problem. Is this person going to lose their job? Probably not. It's Rhode Island. Um, you know, probably not. Depending on the relationship between the assistant principal and the principal itself and the superintendent, you know, they know how the media works. People were screaming about this on Friday, and it's not Friday anymore, so people aren't screaming about it anymore. So they know that the story is going to go away. But the mere email and the raising of it in itself is a crime. You cannot raise money for child traffickers. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't know what else to say. I know what should happen to this person. They should be fired. They should be removed from all teaching positions in the state. Their state license should be investigated and then revoked immediately to never, ever have one ever again. But that's not going to happen. They're probably just going to get a slap on the wrist, and that'll be the end of it. But keep in mind, again, as I said earlier, this is where school officials use discretion. If they like you, if they're sleeping with you, if they have some kind of a relationship with you, whatever that, you know, that may be, maybe there's some inbreeding taking place or some nepotism. If they like you, you're going to stick around. If they don't like you, they will throw the book at you and you'll be gone. And that's, that's the business. And frankly, that's lots of lines of work, but that's what's, you know, that's just the way it works in, in the field of education. So, yeah. This was from the uh, principal, Tiffany Delaney. I was informed there was an email seeking financial support for one of our students. I appreciate the faculty and staff contributing to a cause that supports a student, but the nature of the request uh, is not appropriate. All funds contributed will be returned, and we will seek more appropriate methods to support our students. That would imply they're not going to give it up. So, yeah. I, I don't I don't really know what else to say. This is this is how radical the environments are. They're so radical that yes, they're willing to take in illegals because the Supreme Court said so, but they're also willing to raise money to pay off coyotes uh so that the child doesn't get deported or killed or trafficked or something you know, trafficked more than they already have been, whatever it may be. This is the environment, ladies and gentlemen. They're, they're going to find other means to do it away from the public eye. It's disgusting because, again, the laws that are being broken here are numerous. So there you go. Uh, I want to read this too because this is a bit of a follow-up from the DeSantis eliminating the AP College African American Studies course. This... Um, or at the very least, the, the high school African-American studies course. These were concerns that were found within the college board's submitted advanced placement African-American studies course. And I'm going to read through this. This is from the Florida Department of Education themselves. It says the following. There's a, it's a chart, two columns. On the left-hand side are all the topics from the AP course. 
and on the right side are the concerns. Uh, yeah, and they name names, which is kind of neat. So the first one, the first concern or topic rather, says topic 4.15, intersectionality and activism. The concern states here that, quote, intersectionality is fundamental or foundational rather to CRT and ranks people based on their race, wealth, gender, and sexual orientation. And then it says included reading would include Kimberly Crenshaw, known as the founder of intersectionality, uh, co-editor of critical race theory, the key writings that formed the movement, along with Angela Davis, self-avowed communist and marxist so that's just the first one that's the that's the first topic and first concern that's a big one again homeschooling families are laughing their asses off right now that i'm that i'm even reading this they're going keep reading it keep reading it <laughs> cuz it's ridiculous topic 4.19 black queer studies why not included reading Roderick Ferguson, who exclaims, quote, we have to encourage and develop practices whereby queerness isn't a surrender to the status quos of race, class, gender, and sexuality. It means building forms of queerness that reject the given realities of the government and the market, unquote. Yep, that's a concern. He is a concern. He's a walking concern, that person. Uh, The next topic from the AP course is topic 4.29, Movements for Black Lives. You can see all the political activism in all of this. Movements, here's the concern then, Movement for Black Lives is a organization that that stated objectives that include eliminating prisons and jails ending pre-trial detention, and concluding, quote, the war on black, trans, queer, gender, non-conforming, and intersex people, unquote. Included reading for this particular course would include Leslie K. Jones, who wrote, quote, every day black people produce an unquantifiable amount of content for the same social media corporations that reproduce the white supremacist superstructures that oppress it, unquote. Ah, my God. The next course, topic 4.16, Black Feminist Literary Thought. This'll be rich. Included reading, Bell Hooks, author of many intersectionality Texts and in recommended reading states, quote, I began to use the phrase in my work, white supremacist capitalist patriarchy, unquote, because I wanted to have some language that would actually remind us continually of the interlocking systems of domination that define our reality, unquote. These people are retarded and they belong in a mental institution. I don't know what else to say, but I bet I could find something else to say. Here's the next topic. Topic 4.30. There's only two more left, I promise, then the nightmare ends. The reparations movement. Might as well throw that in there. The concern. All points and resources in this study advocate for reparations. 
There is no critical perspective or balancing opinion in this lesson. Unquote. That's all it says. <laughs> it's hilarious. They're just like, yep, they just scream about reparations for, you know, three classes a week for an entire semester. Uh, okay. The last one, topic 4.31. And by the way, these can't be the only concerns throughout the document. And these can't be the only topics of concern. The entire thing is a topic of concern. <laughs> anyway, topic 4.31, Black Study and Black Struggle in the 21st Century. Included reading, Robin D.G. Kelly argues that activism rather than the university system is the catalyst for social transformation. Kelly's first book was a study of black communists in Alabama. Kelly warns that simply establishing safe spaces and renaming campus buildings does nothing to overthrow capitalism, unquote. Uh, I'd like to overthrow you over a bridge. Anyway, that's that. So those were at least a fraction, and I'm sure it's a small fraction of the concerns from, uh, yeah, the proposed AP African American Studies course. What a nightmare. Again, if you hold your ear up to a shell, you can hear homeschooling families laughing. Laughing, they're smiling, they're going for walks outside. You listen closely and you can hear it. Maybe a dog is barking in the background. You know, pleasant sounds of a pleasant, structured, nuclear family. And then you have this madness. It's disgusting. Speaking of madness, working our way now into the jab realm of things. 19-year-old Washington State University freshman found dead in his dorm room last Sunday. Uh, yeah. Climate change. That's my guess. I'm guessing climate change. What do you think? It doesn't stop. It just isn't going to stop. There's no timeline on poison. You've heard me say that. Poison gets to decide. You don't get to pick. Uh, okay, here's the first one. You recall, of course, the Pfizer papers that have been released at the beginning of every month. This particular individual, bless their hearts, uh, is going through some of these documents more in depth and breaking them down, and this is their summary of what they have found in the latest dump from Pfizer from the month of January 2023. Not surprising. It says the Pfizer papers company rounded injury statistics to zero. It says the last batch of Pfizer documents shed a new light on just what was known or not known about adverse events as well as efforts undertaken to minimize data instead of halting the injection rollout. So it talks about, again, the new batches, all the health problems, et cetera, et cetera. Just for the sake of time, I'm scrolling down to the bottom here where they sort of wrap this up with a conclusion. It says, in summary, Pfizer and the FDA and or the FDA rounded down patient data, deleted passages and instructions to minimize reference to severe injury, acknowledged that its trials had no real-world application in terms of measuring adverse events, found adverse events post-marketing, yet did not withdraw the product, and finally, 
and encouraged media and authorities to force pregnant women to get injected via vaccine mandates despite acknowledging that no safety, safety data existed. Unquote. And then they said, stay tuned. There's going to be a part nine. And yeah, it doesn't stop. Uh, again, you heard me say in, uh, in the substack that I, that I wrote at the end of the year that, or I certainly brought it up here on the show at the beginning of this new year, that those Pfizer documents being court released by a judge were arguably one of the best things to happen in 2022. Because the revelations for that, again, rolled out a train of investigation, a train of thought, and a train of inquiry that had to take place. And thank God that it's taken place and, and continues to take place and that people continue to go through those documents as well. Again, I raised a concern with it a while back, a number of months back, because they weren't, they weren't pumping out PDFs and it was difficult for me to download them and whatever else. But I'll see if I can't get back into them and uh, dive into them myself again. Anywho, moving on. This is from, uh, let's see, the NIH. This again... This is worth bringing up because this is going to tie into a conversation that I'm going to have later this week with an expert on 5G. I haven't had the conversation yet, but I'm going to later this week, and that is slated to be Friday's episode with Mark Steele. Um, yeah, so certainly give that a listen, but I wanted to revisit this. This was, again, from the Journal of Clinical and Transitional Research. I think I brought this up a couple of years ago. Um, forgive me for repeating it, but it says the following, and I want to read the abstract here again, if I didn't before. Two, uh, two authors to this particular study. It is titled, Evidence for a Connection Between Coronavirus Disease 19 and Exposure to Radiofrequency Radiation from Wireless Communications, Including 5G. So here's the abstract. It says the following. Coronavirus disease, public health policy, has focused on the severe acute respiratory syndrome coronavirus 2, SARS-CoV-2 virus, not a virus, doesn't exist, just a poison, and its effects on human health while environmental factors have been largely ignored. Again, just like the previous Pfizer documents. They are avoiding any talk of electromagnetism because that's how real disease gets spread from person to person. It continues, it says, in considering the epidemiology triad, agent-host environment, applicable to all diseases, which again, they're making the direct implication here that electromagnetism is how people get ill, they say, we investigated a possible environmental factor in the COVID-19 pandemic. Ambient radiofrequency radiation from wireless communication systems, including microwaves and millimeter waves. SARS-CoV-2, the virus that caused COVID-19 pand the COVID-19 pandemic, surfaced rather in Wuhan, China, shortly after the implementation of citywide fifth-generation 5G of wireless communications radiation, or WCR, and rapidly spread globally, initially demonstrating a statistical correlation to international communities with recently established 5G networks. In the study, we examine the peer-reviewed scientific literature on the detrimental bioeffects of WCR and identified several mechanisms by which WCR may have contributed to the COVID-19 pandemic as a toxic environmental cofactor, 
by crossing boundaries between the disciplines of biophysics and pathophysiology, we present evidence that WCR may, and there are six points, number one, cause morphologic changes in ethrocytes, including, uh, let's see, I'm going to get this word wrong, echinocyte, if I'm saying that right, and rule, rule I don't know how you pronounce that, uh, rulo formation, I guess, uh, that can contribute to hypercoagulation. I know that word. That sounds bad. Uh, number two, impair microcirculation. Impair microcirculation and reduce ethrocyte and hemoglobin levels, exacerbating hypoxia. Number three, amplify immune system dysfunction, including immunosuppression, autoimmunity, and hyperinflammation. That's called AIDS. Number four, increase cellular oxidative stress and the production of free radicals resulting in vascular injury and organ damage. Number five, increase intracellular CA2, calcium maybe, I'm not sure, or uh, yeah, I don't know, essential for vital entry, replication, and release, in addition to promoting pro-inflammatory pathways. And finally, number six, worsen heart arrhythmias and cardiac disorders. Then there's a section here that says relevance for patients. In conclusion, quote, in short, WCR has become a ubiquitous environmental stressor that we propose may have contributed to adverse health outcomes of patients infected with SARS-CoV-2 and increased the severity of the COVID-19 pandemic. Therefore, we recommend that all people, particularly those suffering from SARS-CoV-2 infection, reduce their exposure to WCR as much as reasonably achievable until further research better clarifies the systemic health effects associated with chronic WCR exposure. Unquote. Now, my education brain clearly says, which I'm going to, again, ask Mark about all of this, and I'm going to give him the floor to talk about it. This reeks of school environments with 5G, clearly. It reeks of school environments with Wi-Fi, students walking around with a cell phone right next to their genitals as they're already jabbed or on their person, maybe with an iPad in their backpack, you know, stuck to their spine while they stare at a computer for eight hours a day. I mean, who's, who's to know? We know the correlation between 5G electromagnetic frequency and disrupting the cells in the human body. That's a real thing. That's 100% real. What I would like to see is someone bring up this particular article in a school board meeting. It'll go in one ear and out the other, I know. But this is another example of an article, again, that can easily be emailed to all those idiots who work for these school boards and work in these school districts and get them to understand that 5G towers in your parking lot are not for better internet. It's a kill device. So again, if you're interested in looking up this journal, it's in the National Library of Medicine, uh, PubMed Central, and it is titled Evidence for a Connection Between Coronavirus Disease 19 and Exposure to Radio Frequency Radiation from Wireless Communications, Including 5G. 
again published in the Journal of Clinical and Transitional Research. I'll tell you what, it disgusts me that that the one business that is supposed to engage in the scientific method and read real research and then apply it, and again, constantly throw such research into the scientific method and arrive at logical conclusions is the education business, and yet they never do it. They just don't do it because they're too busy operating on feelings and not facts. It's disgusting. Okay. Here's another one. This was from last September. Uh, our educator from Louisiana tossed this my way, and I want to bring this up right now. It is titled, also from the National Library of Medicine, and you can look it up there too, pubmed.gov, titled COVID-19 Vaccines and the Misinterpretation of Perceived Side Effects Clarity on the Safety of Vaccines. This is going to be rich. And yes, ladies and gentlemen, there is a huge conflict of interest in this particular article. I'm just going to read the abstract. And of course, the conflict of interest at the end. It says, quote, in the area of COVID-19 and mass vaccination programs, the anti-vaccination movement across the world is currently at an all-time high. Much of the anti-vaccination sediment could be attributed to the alleged side effects. Alleged. They're alleging these side effects. Weird. That, a, that are perpetuated across social media from anti-vaccination groups. Fear-mongering and misinformation being peddled by people with no scientific training to terrorize people into staying unvaccinated is not just causing people to remain susceptible to viral outbreaks, not true, viruses aren't real, but could also be causing more side effects seen in the vaccination process. That's a lie. All of this is a lie thus far. This brief review will offer data that may demonstrate that misinformation perpetuated by the anti-vaccination movement may be causing more deaths and side effects from any vaccine. Well, that's funny. And not true. It continues, unfortunately. It says, A mini-review of published literature has been conducted and found that mental stress clearly causes vasoconstriction and arterial constriction of the blood vessels. They're chalking it up to stress. That's why people are falling over dead. Therefore, if subjects are panicked, concerned, stressed, or scared of the vaccination, their arteries will constrict and become smaller in and around the time of receiving the vaccine. This is rich. <laughs> this, this is rich. Wow. Scaring them about the vaccine before they get it is why they're dying. Classic. This is classic. It continues. This biological mechanism, the constriction of veins, arteries, and vessels under mental stress, is the most likely cause for where there has been blood clots, strokes, heart attacks, dizziness, fainting, blurred vision, loss of smell and taste, and may have experienced shortly, that may have been experienced rather, shortly after vaccine administration. The extreme mental stress of the patient could most likely be attributed to the fear-mongering and scare tactics used by various vaccination groups. This is too good. Who, who reads this and believes it? 
That's right, the jabbed. The jabbed. You need to go into your death shot with a calm, with a calm mind, and you need to go in calm. And if you're go, if you go into the death shot, ladies and gentlemen, as calm as you possibly can, everything will work out perfectly. <laughs> Who believes this? It's too good. This is too good. Oh, here's the last sentence. God help us all. Quote, the paper does not aim to rule in or out every side effect seen, but it is highly likely that many apparent side effects seen shortly after a subject has received a vaccine could be the result of restricted or congested blood flow from blood vessel or arterial constriction caused by emotional distress or placebo based on fear around vaccines. Unquote. <laughs> I gotta tell you, I gotta tell you, you don't, you don't even have to watch comedy anymore to get a good laugh. You just don't. All you have to do is read something like this, and the blood will flow, and the, the cells will reproduce, and the good feelings will come. And then, of course, sadness sets in, <laughs> and you realize how far gone these people are. Here's the conflict of interest. Conflict of interest. Raymond D. Palmer is the chief science officer for full-spectrum biologics. Hmm. I think full-spectrum biologics is associated with Pfizer? Just taking a guess. Certainly one of those jab organizations. Uh, among others, I'm sure. God help us all. Here's another one very quickly. This was just from the Daily Mail. Getting Pfizer's COVID booster and flu vaccine on the same day may raise the risk of a stroke, the FDA says. That was published in the Journal of No Kidding. Here's the next one. And, I, and this, is, this is a big one that I want to read. And then again, I'm just going to end with uh, a post, an anonymous post on greatawakening.win from uh, an individual who's consistently posted about their work environment and what's going on among their, those that exist in their work environment and how they're the only jabbed person in the entire office. It's been interesting reading their posts and uh, quite comical and sad all at the exact same time. But anyway, I want to read this now. Dr. Mike Eden pushed this out. And ladies and gentlemen, I follow him on Telegram and I read his Telegram page. Uh, if you're going to follow somebody, I recommend it be him. He's got, he's got valid information and always has. Again, my, my soul regret from the school board speech was I said Robert Malone at the beginning and I should have said Mike Eden. I'm not a Malone fan for a variety of reasons of which I've brought up on this show, but uh, I like Dr. Mike Eden a lot. And he came to my defense, even though he didn't have to, but I was appreciative of it. So thank you if he's listening. Probably not, but either way. This is from uh, Ballywick News Archives. And again, I alluded to this particular document, well, not this specific one, but a previous one that Catherine Watt had written. She's a writer and a paralegal, and she's thrown together this PDF that is a few pages long, and I want to read it. 
because it's basically a strategy of what the enemy has in store for us and then what we can do about it. And I like this explanation, frankly, and it makes a lot of sense, without a doubt. So here we go. It is titled, and I will include this in the description below also, along with, again, the website that I'm going to reference at the end of this episode, but I'll include two, you know, both of those things, basically. Uh, it is titled, and you could probably, again, just look this up on a search engine and it'll pop up. Not Google, of course, but, you know, another one. It's titled Legal Walls of the COVID-19 Killbox, Militarization of Public Health, Public Health False Front for Military Campaigns as Viewed Through the COVID-19 Lens. I'm going to read this whole thing. Because it deserves it. It deserves a full read. So bear with me. Get comfortable. First of all, on the first page, after the title page, they have what they refer to as the life cycle of a kill box. And I'm going to describe this particular picture as best I can anyway. Uh, On the left-hand side, it says, I need a kill box in cell 1B from 200 to 1700 Z. And then they have arrows that that go along. Um, Basically, they're referring to the first box as a reference system. The second box is you establish a kill box. And then you assign it and you basically divide it into two separate sections. In this, they have a blue and a purple where you're basically putting people and then ideas and things of that nature. At least this is my interpretation, but they get more into the specifics. And then, of course, it breaks down the boxes even further, basically implying that once a person is inside of said box, you can attack them from multiple angles, causing them to move around in their responses. So if they get attacked from one angle, then then they're doing it on purpose because they know that they're going to move a group of people over to a particular box. They're always inside of this kill box, but they're just being moved around like a pawn on a chessboard, essentially with a person controlling, you know, the actions and reactions of people. So it says the following, it's the quote at the top. It says, quote, a kill box is, de- is defined in joint publication, 1-02 Department of Defense Dictionary of Military and Associated Terms as the following, quote, a three-dimensional area reference that establishes timely, effective coordination and control and facilitates rapid attacks. The COVID-19 kill box, DOD, WHO intent, then they have bullet points, Graphic uh, geographic terrain, the whole world. The next one is targets, which is all people. The third one is duration, which is permanent. The fourth is weapons. And then they have listed informational, fraud, psychological, fear and terrorism, chemical and biological, radiological, n- nuclear, and CBRN pharmaceuticals, toxins, and pathogens. Yeah, and then they pulled that from the source, which is called Killbox, uh, Multi-Surface Tactics, Techniques, and Procedures for Killbox Employment by Airland Sea Application Center from June of uh, 2005, rather. The next slide says, question, when and how? When, how, were legal frameworks set up to make the COVID-19 capture, control, and kill plan function without legal impediment? 
When and how were military martial law aspects of the kill box established? When and how were financial coercion mechanisms set up? Project has been centuries in the making. Globalist central bankers have always pursued complete control of human beings, including population numbers, through banking and military programs. Kicked into higher gear, 1913, Federal Reserve Act, 1930s and 40s through public health. The next slide, when and how, continued. It says, prior to the late 1960s, method mostly non-pharmaceutical under pretext other than public health. Pretexts other than public health. Orchestrated armed conflicts, wars, famines. Often loud, messy, bloody, and destructive to infrastructure, cities, transit, factories, mines, farms. Plausible deniability and legal impunity. Challenging. The next bullet point from 1969 worked to induce suicide and homicide by fraudulently labeling poisons as medicines, vaccines, prophylactics, and submission to poisoning self-sterilization as civic duty. We, of course, have seen that play out over the last couple of years, have we not? It's your civic duty to do this. Do this to help yourself and the people around you. Don't you care about the health of other people? It then says quieter, cleaner, and leaves more critical infrastructure intact. The last bullet point on slide four says plausible deniability and legal impunity easier. The next slide. Tiered coercion cascades, dash, dollar signs. It says top equals bank for international settlements, SWIFT, S-W-I-F-T. Bottom equals you, your kids, your local elementary school, hospital, and workplace. I like how they specifically bring up schools. It's perfect because that's, my God, has it happened or has it happened? Um, The next bullet point, actors, men and women all along the chain, are given money incentives to cooperate with the killing program under the lie that it's for the common good, benevolent, public health driven, quote unquote, to save grandma, i.e. masks, tests, isolate, and then vax. Who's the British black actor? What is, I mean, he's like the one guy. I'm going to butcher his name. I don't even want to look it up. Uh, the el- elder guy, Ingra, Ingridge Elder, whatever the hell his name is. Um, either way, I, I know I just destroyed his name. I really don't care. He's the guy who, of course, showed up recently at the World Health, I'm sorry, the um, World Economic Forum conference and, and gave a speech. If you recall, he was also the same actor, the first one, I might add, who came out on camera looking all sad and depressed and acting and goes, I just test positive for COVID. And this was back in 2020. He's a perfect example of one of these actors who has been hired, paid, to drive home this fake narrative, the entire thing. He's one of many, of course, because there's that other stupid commercial with Michael Phelps and Pink and a couple other idiots. Uh, you know, and they're passing a, a fake virus ball around or whatever the hell they're doing. Viruses aren't real, of course, jokes on them, as they're trying to convince people to get jabbed. 
It's it's ridiculous. But these are the kinds of people that again have been recruited and paid off in order to carry this plan through. It's a military operation. It's a satanic play-by-play kill program. Uh yeah. I think I okay, here we go. The next bullet point. It says actors are given money, disincentivizes to resist access to banking, transaction services, and jobs. Income will be cut off for noncompliance. The next bullet point says carrot and stick. B-I-S, and then it has an arrow that says uh, directed from B-I-S to federal, central banks, national governments, state and provincial governments, county municipal governments, School districts, universities, hospitals, nursing homes, private employers to you and your family, friends, neighbors, and coworkers. Again, we saw that play out step by step from from top, you know, from the very top of government all the way down down to us. And then of course divide people within each of those segments, I'm sure. Uh, It says the next slide, 1969 at the top. This is slide number six. It says U.S. Chemical and Biological Warfare Program established by U.S. Congress and President Richard Nixon, 50 U.S.C. Chapter 32. It says the Secretary of Defense shall submit semi-annual reports to Congress on or before January 31st and on or before July 31st of each year setting forth the amounts spent during the preceding six-month period for research development, test, and evaluation, and procurement of all lethal and non-lethal chemical and biological agents. The Secretary shall include in each report a full explanation of each expenditure, including the purpose and the necessity therefore. It then says, that was section 409 that I just read, uh, the next bullet point says, infor- uh, I'm sorry, important transitional terms, Prote- protective, prophylactic, defensive equals false. And of course, we heard that word usage constantly, didn't we? In particular, when it came to the jabs. It's going to protect you. It'll be a defense mechanism. No. Nope. Just kills people. Uh, The next bullet point and last one on this particular slide says, All biological active products are intrinsically aggressive, offensive, toxic, lethal, i.e. toxicology, dose dependency, pharmacokinetics, pharmacodynamics, uh, genotoxicity, uh, contraindications, uh, allergies, metabolic disorders, drug-to-drug interactions, purity, and adulterations, etc. The next slide, slide number seven. There are, by the way, approximately 17 slides. I'm going to read this whole thing. It's too important. I'm sorry for the length here, but yeah, and the reading, but yeah, it's worth it. Again, I'll link it in the description below, I promise. Bear with me. The next slide, slide number seven, 1983, and then it says 1996-US. 1983 Public Health, or 1983 Public Health Service Act Amendment, rather. Amendment 1944 PHSA to add a public health emergencies, quote-unquote, program, granting new powers to Health and Human Services Secretary and establishing a $30 million slush fund 
equals public health emergencies fund, which is 42 USC 247D. The next bullet point, uh, 1986 National Vaccine Program and National Childhood Vaccine Injury Act set up and funded National Vaccine Program in bold print. Grant vaccine manufacturers legal immunity for injuries and death caused by their products, establish and fund a tax revenue debt-funded National Vaccine Injury Compensation Program codified at 42 U.S.C. 300 AA, model for civil liability immunities through countermeasures injury compensation program. Delightful. The next slide, it says 2005-World Health Organization. WHO International Health Regulations Amendment adopted by World Health Assembly in 2005. Entered into force June of 2007 after ratification by member states. Next bullet point, called on national governments to strengthen their own domestic laws and fund programs for population surveillance, testing, detention, quarantine, physical control, and forced treatment during international outbreaks of communicable diseases. Nightmare. Next bullet point, pretext, protecting international trade from disruptions. And then two more bullet points on this slide. True intent, establishing legal systems to transfer governance from nation states to one world government silently, automatically, on trigger of PHEIC. Final bullet point, U.S. Congress presidents and cabinet complied, complied rather with WHO demands. I'm going to interject real quick. This is what makes me angry when people say that there's no legal basis for this in the United States because the Constitution says so. Of course the Constitution says that this can't happen because it's an infringement on our rights. This document is clearly laying out. None of that means jack shit. None of that matters as far as these, the, the powers that be are concerned. Again, they played this card. They played this hand. This happened. Where was the Constitution? Where was it? I'm sure some people were using it. I was screaming it. Lots of people were screaming it. We know that. And it got some of us some places. But in the end, as I even wrote in my substack, this is the perfect crime. Because if you have judges and lawyers that have been jabbed and have gone on with have, have gone along with all of this, blindly believed all of these people and all of these procedures, they've thrown the law right out the window. If the law enforcement agents and and the judicial system have thrown the law out, what do you have left? You have trigger fingers. We still have those, but you know, I mean, what are, what are we left with? Not a judicial system, I'll tell you that much. Uh, next slide. 1997 and 1998 in the United States. First bullet point, laws, it says. 1997 NDAA for FY, fiscal year 98. 1997 Food and Drug Administration Moder Modernization Act. I got it. Uh, 1998 Omnibus, omnibus Consolidation 
I'm sorry, Consolidated and Emergency Supplemental Appropriations Act for fiscal year 99. Next bullet point, products. Examined access to unapproved CBRN products equals expanded pseudo-authorized deployment of prohibited CBRN weapons. After 2003 NDAA for fiscal year 04 and 2004 Project BioShield Act, known as EUA Emergency Use Authorization Program. So if you're curious what year the Emergency Use Authorization Program came into effect, it was 2004. So the next bullet point, uh, targets. Prohibitions on forcible CBRN attacks on troops replaced with pseudo-authorized forcible CBRN attacks on all Americans. Good Lord. And then it says stockpiles. Illegal CBRN weapons stockpile reclassified as National Pharmaceutical Stockpile, later Strategic National Stockpile, or SNS, and rehomed from DOD to HHS and CDC. This would, this would explain why we haven't heard much from the Department of Defense, and it's all been driven by Health and Human Services and Centers for Disease Control, is because it was said that that was going to be the case. Okay, 2000 to 2002. Next slide. It says, setting up program management, war theater, battlefield parameters, and enemy combatant classifications. 2000 Public Health. Threats and Emergencies Act, Funding and Organizational Management Structures for Bioterrorism, Counterterrorism Research and Development, 2001 Authorization for Use of Military Force, construed as putting the United States in a permanent state of war, global war on terror, quote-unquote, uh, with no limitations in time or geographically, and all people construed as Presumptive combatants, enemy targets, de facto covert global martial law. 2001 Patriot Act is listed here. 2002 Public Health, Security, and Bioterrorism Preparedness and Response Act and the 2002 Homeland Security Act. Thanks for nothing, 9-11. Thanks for nothing. That was the plan. This was the plan. Uh, next slide, 2003 to 2019 in the United States. First bullet point, executive orders. Directives, proclamations, declarations on public health emergencies, national security threats, continuity of government, homeland security drafted, and published through Federal Register. Next bullet point, congressional PHE, statutes and appropriations. Building up the walls of the kill box, i.e., Project BioShield Act from 2004, PREP Act from 2005, entered into U.S. Code. Next bullet point agency regulations, drafted and published through Federal Register, entered into the Code of Federal Regulations, CFR. Next bullet point guidance reports, drafted by the DOJ and DHS circulated to state, local, and tribal governments in law enforcement for implementation subordination to federal military during PHEs. Next bullet point, more guidance for industry, quote-unquote, 
drafted by the FDA HHS and circulated to academic pharmaceutical manufacturers and non-governmental organizations, NGOs, i.e. the BMGF partners, regarding clinical trial trials and product authorization procedures for biologics, vaccine, gene therapies, nanotech, etc. Final bullet point on this horrific slide, more test runs. 2003 SARS, 2006 MERS, 2009 H1N1, etc. Those were the test runs. That's important. That's an important historic point. Those were the test runs in order to see who would get jabbed and how many. And then all they did was implement another strategy and then do it again. And then implement, implement another strategy and do it again. What did this time have that the other previous times didn't have? Lockdowns. You didn't have lockdowns the previous three times. You didn't have stores closing their doors permanently. You didn't have empty parking lots. You didn't have all of that previously that, that we had this time around, didn't we? Along with, of course, a thousand other things. But the schools closing, the universities closing. Not being able to travel across state lines. Remember all that? Remember Florida? Trying to drive from Georgia to Florida and getting stopped? Remember when that happened? I mean, holy hell in a handbasket. It, you know, they're telling us their plan right here. They're going to do it again. This is a damning document. This is incredible. It's almost done. Uh, let's see. Slide number 12, I believe. 2015, other transactions, uh, uh, yeah, transactions authority for DOD prototype products. It says revealed through Pfizer's April 2022 motion to dismiss whistleblower Brooke Jackson's False Claims Act case confirmed by U.S. government on October 4th of 2022. Statement of interest support for MTD. Uh, it says authoriz authorizes DOD to use public funds to contract to contract with and or uh, conscript private pharmaceutical manufacturers to produce and deploy CBRN weapons on general public with minimal congressional oversight. None of that sounds good. Next bullet point, products classified as prototypes, quote-unquote, not drugs, biologics, or vaccines. Prototype, quote-unquote, not defined by Congress, defined by DOD in 2018, quote, addressing certain needs such as proof of concept, model, and novel application of commercial technologies for defense purposes. Good Lord. The next bullet point. No requirement for valid clinical trials, valid safety or efficacy data review, valid FDA authorizations or approvals. No requirement. Well, there you have it. Next bullet point and final one on this particular page. Clinical trials not material or necessary for DOD payment to contractors. Slide 13. Of 17. 2020 to present, COVID big reveal. WHO, 
Public Health Emergency of International Concern, PHEIC. Number two, it says, U.S. HHS Secretary Alex Azar, Public Health Emergency, PHE, PREP, the PREP Act, Declarations for Medical Countermeasures, FDA Pseudo-Regulation of Vaccine Clinical Trials Product Review Authorization. Next bullet point, Congress Presidents, Coronavirus Preparedness and Response Supplemental Appropriations Act, Families First Coronavirus Act, Coronavirus Aid, Relief, and Security. The CARES Act, uh, the NDAAs, and Consolidated Appropriations, etc. And then finally, President's Cabinet, Executive Orders, etc., the Stadford Act, the National Emergencies Act, the Defense Production Act, Directing and Controlling Manufacturing Facilities and Weapons Production and Deployment Programs Mandates. The next slide, What the Laws Built. Enabling Mechanisms. Keep in mind, this entire presentation is called Killbox. Five bullet points here. The first one says, set up huge public and private funding streams for military-led biological, chemical, neurological weapons research, development, and deployment programs sold to Congress and public as public health emergency programs. And it was sold well, because people bought it. Next bullet point, estimated information consent in PHE contexts by reclassifying potential carriers of disease, each human, as a presumptive national security threat, authorizing incapacitation and destruction of same, war footing. Next bullet point says, shield products weapons from product liability. No safety efficacy standards. Next bullet point. Shield manufacturers, distributors, and vaccinators from civil and criminal liability for their harmful, lethal actions. I think we're going to see that play out in the future, too. City councils, mayors, these individuals try to seek legal remedies for why everybody's dying, including themselves and all their city workers and everything else. Last bullet point on this horrific slide which is slide 14, shield governments, funders, developers, regulators from CBRN, WMD, terrorism, criminal prosecution by classifying weapons as scheduled toxins, communicable pathogens, etc., and research and development on those weapons as defensive slash protective. This is what we're going to see here in the future, the cover-up, the government cover-up. Then it says closing thoughts, and there are three slides. Here we go. This is well done and horrific, <clears throat> but very well done. And this is my longest episode. There you go. Uh, my apologies again, but this had to be read. It says the first bullet point, bad as it is, it could be much, much worse. Number two, many people have been resisting the construction of the kill box all the way along and their work makes it less tightly built now that it would now than it would otherwise be so pat yourselves on the back ladies and gentlemen you broke through the kill box and we've been moving around faster than they can fire and moving in spaces and directions that they didn't want us to move in which is a good thing 
We resisted. We win. Next bullet point says, Many who formally reinforced the walls of the kill box were their own, uh, with their own words and their own labor have been walking away since COVID. Next bullet point says, Many who formerly were content to stay inside the kill box are trying to get out, and those on the outside have better informational tools to help them. Next bullet point, a lot of evidence collected already and every day, new corroborating evidence comes to light, especially national security, based resistance to FOIAs and other investigative efforts. Again, pat yourselves on the back. This is, you see, this is the document, before I finish this slide real quick, this is the document that Q talked about. It's things like this that Q, that Q posts alerted us to, to get mobile, to get active, to get moving, that it was inevitable that if you tyrannize people, that's what's going to happen. Our country was built on that, for Christ's sake. What are people expecting? Not when you listen to Stu Peters, though. He would indicate that if we read a Q post, that meant sit on our ass and do nothing. Stu Peters couldn't be more wrong. It couldn't be more wrong. And us reading those posts and getting active and doing what we were doing, writing, speaking out, all of this, engaging ourselves in this war and using the public forums to get the messages out there and wake people up and shake them out of the trance and the brainwashing that they've been in, was inevitable. And it's worked. It's flipping worked. Again, pat yourselves on the back. Buy a bottle of champagne. It's flipping working. It's working. Shows like this are working. Shows like the Dangerous Info Podcast. It's working. Yes, Stu Peter's show is working too. Just stop hating on those of us that learn more than you do, Stu. That's all. Stop hating on us. We learn quicker than you do. Deal with it. You know, we're not selling chocolate and gold for Christ's sake. We're just telling the truth. Uh, okay, last bullet point in the closing thoughts section of this. It says tipping point will come and criminal prosecutions will start. The next slide. Things globalists don't like and try to weaken and destroy. Number one, there are five points here. I'm sorry, six. First one, federal constitutions and charters protecting common law rights of people against governments. Yes. Number two, conflicting statutory frameworks in international law, i.e. laws criminalizing murder. Conspiracy to commit murder, war crimes, genocide, torture, fraud, extortion, biological weapons of mass destruction, chemical weapons of mass destruction, and terrorism. Yes. Ladies and gentlemen, what has YouTube done this entire time? Including with the most recent Project Veritas videos. They gave Project Veritas a strike and told him, you do it again, you're suspended forever. YouTube is engaging in conspiracy to commit war crimes, murder, genocide, torture, fraud, extortion, biological weapons of mass destruction, chemical weapons of mass destruction, and flipping terrorism. That's what YouTube is engaging in. I wouldn't be surprised if YouTube in the future ceases to exist. Heaven forbid we're never going to see another teenager jump into a bathtub full of Fruit Loops anymore and make millions of dollars. Boo-hoo. 
what will happen to society. My God. But Sean, I, I, I make a living on YouTube. How am I going to make a living? Go to hell. <laughs> Go to hell. I don't care how you make a living. YouTube's a criminal organization and you're using it to make a living. Wrap your head around that. Because that's what's happening here. That's what all of these censorship platforms have been doing. Ugh. Next bullet point, number three. Things the globalists don't like and try to weaken and destroy. State and province level laws protecting common law rights. Informed consent. Nuremberg bio Biomedical Ethics Principles, Product Liability, Consumer Safety, and Laws Prohibiting Murder, Fraud, Extortion, Terrorism. Number four, see October 2022 report, State Laws Limiting Public Health Protections, Hazardous for Our Health, by Network for Public Health Law. Number five, Christian faith in thriving religious, social, and family communities. They're getting angry. They're separating, too, because, again, what's gone on in the church during this entire time, by and large, not everywhere, but by and large, has been an abomination. Mask up. Church is closed. That right there is, is stone-cold proof that they get their emails from the same people that doctors get their emails from, and they all followed the same flipping orders, which means they're in on it. They're the useful idiot. But what have people done during this time? They've bought more Bibles than you could possibly buy. The Bible is still the number one book that gets sold all of the time, even more so over the last three years, not an accident. Finally, if the globalists don't like it, do it more and harder. Yes. Final slide. Five, sorry, six bullet points. What to do. Number one, keep pushing. Number two, speak out against federal, state, and local public health programs, which are really military kill box programs. Call for disengagement, disarmament, and defunding of the military killbox programs, basically. Not us. We don't have to disengage, dis disarm, or, or defund ourselves. That's not what they're saying. Third bullet point. Uh, exit the WHO. If U.S. withdraws, WHO, BMGF, and related organizations may lose legal immunities they hold under U.S. law. Number four. Keep refusing all vaccines and other government-sponsored medical treatments from here on out, especially any product classified and handled through any countermeasures program, quote-unquote, qualified, security, medical, military. They will come up with new names. Avoid those, too. Point number five. Keep pushing state legislators, prosecutors, AGs, judges to pass state-level legislation that blocks federal public health military programs, blocks funding, blood money coercion programs. Number six, keep pushing state-local governments to set up alternative decentralized financial systems outside the BIS-controlled centralized global systems. 
unquote. That's the conclusion of the 17-slide presentation. Again, it is titled Legal Walls of the COVID-19 Kill Box, Militarization of Public Health, Public Health False Front for Military Campaigns as Viewed Through the COVID-19 Lens. Presented by Catherine Watt, writer and paralegal, January 24th, 2023. That was exquisite. That was exquisite. We're doing the right things. We're emailing people, getting it on the record. We're talking with prosecutors. I've done that. No luck there. They're jabbed idiots. Sheriff's departments, same thing. Schools, you know, whatever. Let them burn. But what you, you get what I'm saying. We, we, we've, we've covered these bases here. We've done this. We've done this already. They're asking us to continue to do it. Continue to get the information out there on all the platforms that we do. Make the conversation unavoidable. Me personally, you know, the bridge has got to be crossed with family members at some point. This has to be talked about among family members at some point. If family members are keeping this quiet for now, and they think that you know a death is going to happen and that will open the door to the conversation, well, maybe that might be the case. But either way. We have to keep having these conversations. We have to keep getting this information out. No doubt about it. And we're doing the right thing. We're just doing the right thing. Okay. Let me read this screenshot quickly. This again, in conclusion, comes from GreatAwakening.win, and it is titled, Holy Shite, People at Work Talking About Refusing the Boosters from Here on Out. See? It's working, which is good. It's a little late in the game, but at least it's working. It says, quote, Not to go into the entire story again, but I'm the only person at work who refused to get the jab. The entire company of 50-plus people got it. I told them my reasons back then, even got into heated debate, was pressured, wasn't invited to the Christmas party due to safety concerns. Sitting having break today, a group of four guys I know fairly well were talking about the side effects they've been having, and hearing about from their doctors. And they won't be taking anything else. I just listened to them. I didn't speak up even though I wanted to say I told you so. They brought up people who didn't take it, having zero issues. I think they expected me to say something at that point, but I let my silence speak for itself. At one point, one guy whispered, fearing being heard by the other people, in the cafe, I guess, quote, you really have to wonder if where there's smoke, there's fire at this point, unquote. It is indeed happening. I think it's quietly progressing faster than we think, unquote. Yes, I agree. Yes, they're jabbed. Yes, they're poisoned. Yes, their DNA is snapped in half. They've turned themselves into something else now. They're, they have AIDS. They have AIDS. Their immune systems are compromised. They will get sicker and sicker and more sick. That's going to happen. But think of the generations in the future. That's why we are here. We are here to teach these people all of this information. 
so that this gets out to them and they understand that they've been lied to their whole lives about everything and they are being manipulated. They're being thrown into this kill box and moved around like a pawn again on a chessboard. So break through the kill box. Keep breaking through the kill box. I'm going to link in the description below that entire presentation I just read along with this website, greatawakeningreport.com. It has a massive, like I said at the beginning, Venn diagram uh, titled The Healing Web. It's very interesting. On one side, you have Big Pharma, and on the other side, you have holistic medicine, and you see how it splits off into both. With that said, ladies and gentlemen, I'll catch you on Wednesday. Peace. Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Make sure and check out AmericanEducationFM.com for more information. Take care and God bless.